Someone once said that opportunity may only knock once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. And that is one of the truest statements I have ever heard uttered in my own experience. Even Jesus found out in his life that Satan never quits. He just waits until another time. After his own temptations in the wilderness, Luke in his gospel writes and says this, And when the devil had ended every opportunity, that's at that time of tempting, he departed from him until an opportune time. He didn't depart, period, but until an opportune time to set before him some more temptations. Well, last week we started our study on Joseph called target practice with the target being God's will for our lives, that we want to live in the center of God's will and who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do. And our life truth for this series is simply this, walk with God today to find his will for tomorrow. Walk with God today to find his will for tomorrow. Which begs the question, well, what is God's will for me today? And we we talked about one component last week. But this morning, we're going to see another part of walking with God. Which means that if we're going to walk with God today, we need to avoid sin. And we do that by resisting temptation. That we avoid sin by resisting temptation. And you all understand this. None of us are immune to being tempted. But being tempted isn't the same thing as sinning. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, in every way just as we are, yet Jesus was without sin. It's when we give in to that temptation and and commit that sin against God that we are separated from him and that that we experience all the, the ramifications that sin brings into our lives. And James in his epistle helps us understand and see that temptation uh, is something that actually begins its work within us uh, and Satan knows that work. So he sets a temptation to lead us into sin. James in chapter one says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it has conceived, we have this desire that there that, that desire gives birth to sin and then sin when it is full grown brings forth death, that separation, that that punishment from God because of our sin. But James also tells us that we can resist the temptations that Satan sets before us by living lives in obedience to God and following and doing what God tells us to do in his word and being filled with God's presence in our lives. In James chapter 5 verse 7, he says, submit yourself to God. So it starts with the fullness of God in our life and we submit ourselves to God. Then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so we're going to see this principle this morning of, of submitting to God and resisting to temptation in Joseph's life. So if you will, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 39. The book of Genesis chapter 39. And let's look at what to do when temptation knocks. Because if you're going to hit the target of living in the center of God's will for your life, you need to heed the danger that sin poses. All sin. Now today in Joseph's life, there's a specific sin, but this doesn't just apply to this area. It applies to any and every sin. We need to recognize the danger that sin poses, and then we need to resist the temptation into all of those sins. And we do that first, as we'll see in Joseph's life, by counting the cost. 
we need to count the cost of what sin will cost, cost us in our lives. I think the most subtle but damaging lie that Satan uses against people is the lie that our sin isn't that big a deal. We just have convinced ourselves, and Satan convinces us that it's not such a bad thing after all. And that lie takes a whole lot of forms, many different forms, but it's deadly regardless of the form that it takes. Sometimes we tell ourselves, well, no one will find out. No no one's going to know about this. Or we say, well, I'll do it once, but never again. This is going to be the last time I'm going to stop after this. Or we say to ourselves, well, I won't go that far. Maybe I'll do this, but I'm not going to go that far, which is the really, really bad sin. I'm here on the edge, and it, it's, it's getting close, but it's not the actual sin itself. And I'm not going to go that far. I'll stop before then. And sometimes we just kind of tell ourselves, you know what? I kind of deserve a break. I've been good, a good boy or girl, been behaving myself. And so maybe it's, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with me letting my hair down and, and experiencing a little fun and, and, and treating myself in some way. And we believe all of those lies and we move closer to sin, we move deeper into sin, rationalizing and excusing it away, thinking in our minds, well, it's not really that bad. But the reality is that sin is devastating. It is absolutely devastating in our lives. And the longer we allow it to grow unchecked and unconfessed in our lives, then the deeper and the more widespread that sin becomes and the greater the damage it brings into our lives. But when we pause and we reflect upon God's blessing in our, less blessings in our lives, we can help protect ourselves from some of these lies and these temptations that are before us. Because when you pause to thank God for what he's already done in your life, and you take inventory of his blessings in your life and what he's done for you, you're less susceptible to temptation because you realize what this sin can cost you. You say, man, God has done so much in my life and he's brought all of these things in. If I sin, then then these things can be stripped away. They They can be taken and these things removed from my life. And that's the reality of what sin will do. And don't ever think for a second that those things won't be lost and that sin won't cost you some of those things in your life. I want us to look at what happened in Joseph's life after he was sold as a slave. His brothers grabbed him and sold him as a slave. And Potiphar, an officer in the Egyptian army, purchased Joseph to work in his household. Genesis 39 verse 2 says this, The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. I want you to underline that sentence if you have your Bibles. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Underline that again. The Lord was with him. Four times in this chapter, we'll see that statement. The Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed. Underline this. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph living and working and being blessed by God in his house. It says, The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. 
So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. What that means is the only conscious decision that Potiphar made to say, what do I want to do here, was about the food that he ate. Everything else he left up to Joseph, and he put under Joseph's watch care and Joseph's leadership. Now, that's a guy who really trusts in his servant, is it not? No, the only thing I'm going to worry about is what I'm going to eat today. Everything else, Joseph has taken care of. He saw that because the Lord was with Joseph and that God was, was working in his life. So here's Joseph. Think about his story. He's gone from being his father's favorite child to now being a slave for an Egyptian officer. But he walked with God. We talked about Joseph seeking after God, even in the midst of his difficulties. He walked with God, and what happened? Well, God blessed him. And not only did God bless him, God blessed those around him. You want God's blessing in your family? Then you seek after God. You honor God. You obey him, and God will bless you and those around you for your faithfulness and your obedience to him. God poured out his blessing on everyone around Joseph. One of the devotions in our Word for You Today devotional that we give out a few weeks ago, it said this, when you're in God's will, you don't have to promote yourself. God will do it for you. And we see that happen in Joseph's life. He walked with God, and he and everyone around him was blessed as a result. And when temptation reared its ugly head, Joseph counted the cost, and he saw this very important principle that we need to understand today. No earthly pleasure is worth forsaking the blessings that God has poured into your life. No earthly pleasure, nothing you may gain uh, of earth or, or of monetary wealth or status or position is worth forsaking the blessings that God has poured out into your life. In verse 6, we read a statement that's used only four times in the entire Old Testament. It's used to describe Joseph. It's used to describe King Saul and King David and King David's son Absalom. The end of verse 6 says this, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now, there's nothing wrong with being physically well-built or handsome, but with those attributes come some unique temptations, or so those who are well-built and handsome tell me that there are some of those unique <laughs> temptations. I wouldn't know those firsthand. And I wish I could tell you that it wasn't true, but Satan is absolutely ruthless. He is merciless in trying to exploit our weaknesses and tempting us in areas where we are the most vulnerable. If Satan knows that you have a weakness or an area that he can tempt you in, he will never let up in trying to tempt you in that specific area or that situation in your life and trying to lead you into sin. And at this point, Joseph's life is an amazing turnaround story already. I mean, we're talking about he was his dad's favorite son. His brothers hated him, sold him into slavery, but now he's head servant. He probably has his own quarters there in Potiphar's household uh, and on his, his farm and on his estate. Joseph has the most authority and influence of any servant on the grounds. And Potiphar probably had many servants with his status and his position. Joseph had access to confidential information, and he made important decisions and had the complete trust of his boss. 
And to top it all off, the guy's well-built and handsome. I mean, it just works out well for some people, does it not? I mean, you just look and go, man, they've got it all. But all those blessings made Joseph a bigger target for Satan. And friend, you need to recognize that the more that God has blessed you and the more God has entrusted you with his blessing and poured himself out in your life, then the bigger target you become for Satan because he wants to destroy that work of God in your life and your faithfulness and your obedience and not just the work in your life, but he knows the ripple effects it can carry into the lives of other people as well. So Joseph was a large target and with no interest on his part in doing so, he caught the eye of a certain woman. The fact that he caught a woman's eye wasn't an issue. Based on everything that we know, Joseph would have been a great catch for any woman. The problem was which woman's eye that he caught. It was his boss's wife. Look in verse 7. It says, And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. And so here's Joseph counting the cost. He says, whoa, wait, God has done so much in my life. And he's re- realizing that if he were to violate and he were to disobey God, that he, he could stand to potentially lose all of these things and forsake all of God's blessing in his life. So he counted the cost of his sin. And he acknowledged God's blessing. And then he responded and said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, to be sure, this sin would have also been against Potiphar, and it would have been against Potiphar's wife. But Joseph knew that sin's greatest offense is always against God. Sin's greatest offense is always against God because he is the one who is holy and pure and righteous. Uh, He is the one who is established and and tells us what his will and desire is. And when we, we disobey and revolt against that, sin's greatest offense is always against God. And so we see Joseph walking through this. And when we stop and we count the cost of sin and realize what we could potentially lose, but by giving in to this temptation that is before us, it should cause us to stop dead in our tracks and to say, wait a second. What would God's word have me say about this? And we pray and we reflect and we seek God's will and we ask ourselves, what does the Bible have to say about this? And that's when we remember God's word. And we should indeed remember God's word because scripture is the greatest weapon we have against temptation. Scripture is the greatest weapon we have against temptation. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, what did he do to counter every temptation set before him? He quoted scripture. He quoted God's word. And if Jesus sets that example for us, then we should follow that example in our lives. The psalmist writes and said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I what? Might not sin against God. So when God's word is within us and we're filled up with God's presence and God's power in our lives, first of all, there's not as much room for for temptation to come and to, to find root and to find soil and begin to grow in our lives. But also the more filled we are with God's presence, the less enticing 
sin is to us in the first place. And so we want to be filled with, with God's presence, and we want to remember his word. And when we do that, then we're able to simply choose God. When we're faced with temptation and we remember God's word, we should choose God over whatever temptation is set before us. And I know that sounds really simple, but I'll tell you, standing for what is right and what is good is not always easy or popular. Standing up for what is right can be very lonely sometimes because you may be the only one who's doing it. But if it's right because God says it's right, then you need to do it regardless of what anyone says, regardless of what anyone thinks, or regardless of what they do with their behaviors and their actions. If God said this is right, then you need to do it and not worry about anyone else and their response to you following and doing what God has called you to do. And this will not be easy for us. Jesus said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The question is, did they persecute Jesus? Uh, Yeah, a, a little bit. And Jesus went on to say, all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. What he's saying is the rejection isn't of you, it's of God who is leading you to do these things and take this stand for right. It's nothing personal with you, it's about the God who's working within you, who's bringing conviction to their heart and their life because they're living and continuing in their sin when you're taking a stand to do what's right. So expect that at some time, in some situation, when you stand for truth and what's right in God's sight, people won't like it. And they may persecute you in some way because of it. And that persecution can take many, many forms, but expect that it will happen. I want you to look and see how strong a stand Joseph took in choosing God and then the result of that decision. Verse 10 says this, And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. That is a lesson that we need to learn. The best way to resist temptation is to avoid putting yourself in places or situations where you may be tempted. And I know that sounds really simple. And I'm going to date myself a little bit and tell you about some of my heritage and growing up. Uh, But when I was little, uh, we used to watch at my house a show called Hee Haw. Some of you may remember that show. It, it is, uh, this may be a stretch for you, but it was kind of a, a country western version of Saturday Night Live, all right, with musicians and skits and things like that. Maybe a stretch, I know. But one of the characters on this Hee Haw show was a doctor. And people would come in and they'd complain about whatever their issues were. And this doctor gave uh, some sage advice in treating people. He would come in and they'd say, Doctor, my arm hurts when I do this. And what would he say? Don't do that. That's right. I still diagnose my kids that way. Dad, my finger hurts when I do this. And I tell them, well, then don't do that. You know, so it's still there. But another thing this doctor would say, I remember that someone came in, they said, Doc, my leg hurts in two places. You know what he told them? Don't go to those two places. Yeah, stay out of those two places. And you know, that's good advice when it comes to resisting temptation. If you know temptation is going to find you and be in certain places and with certain people, then avoid those places and those people. If you have friends who consistently set temptation before you and lead you to sin against God, then find new friends. 
And if there are sin strongholds in your life, then do everything you can to avoid the people and the situations and the places where you're tempted to engage in those areas and in those areas of sinfulness in your life. And if your circle of friends are, are gossips and busybodies, then confront them and say, hey, you know, have you gone and talked to this person that you're talking about? Because what you're doing is, is sinful and it hurts you and it, and it hurts that person. And we need to go talk to them about that and offer to go with them so that they don't continue in sin. So we need to go and talk to this individual about that. And you know what? I'll tell you this. If that's taking place in a Sunday school class, then look for a new Sunday school class. I had a lady in Merritt Island whose class was kind of known for that. And she said that one week, just the Lord really convicted her about that. And she told him, she said, look, she said, this is a Sunday school class. We're supposed to be studying God's word in here, not talking about it and complaining and running down our church leaders and what's taking place. This is not good for us. It's not good for our class and it's not good for our church. And if we don't quit doing this and get back to studying the Bible like we're supposed to, I'm going to have to go find a new class. It was a bold statement for her. A very difficult thing for her to do. But you know what she said happened? She said that week she had four people call her and say, you know what? I've been convicted about that same thing. And the Lord's been dealing with me about that. And and I just hadn't had the courage to say anything. But you're right. You're right. And so she came back in that next week. And that teacher confessed to the class that, you know what? I've allowed some things and we've kind of gotten off track. And and I've appreciated what our sister said last week. And you know what? I want to honor God in that way with our class and what we do and change the, the, the environment and change the direction of that class. You may need to be the one that stands up and models that courage to do what God tells us to do in his word. You may be the only one, but trust God to bless and to honor that stand that you take for him. So resist temptation by avoiding it when you can, but by choosing to honor Christ when you can't. Because here's what we have to realize. You can't always avoid temptation because it'll come looking for you, all right? Remember, an opportunity knocks once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. It won't quit. It'll jump out in front of you uh, just from, from all kinds of places. And when you can't avoid it, you count the cost, you remember God's word, and then you choose to honor God with your decisions and your response to that temptation that is set before you. Joseph was doing everything he could to avoid Potiphar's wife, to resist her temptation, but he couldn't escape. She pursued him relentlessly. And look at verse 11. It says, But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And we go, yay for Joseph. He stood up for what was right. He resisted temptation. He fled sexual immorality. A few weeks ago, I preached on this topic, and I I read 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul said, flee sexual immorality. Uh, We're told to do that in Scripture. We see this example in Joseph's life, and so we understand that God from the beginning has wanted his children to flee sexual immorality, to get away from it as fast as we can, because God knows this is a particularly uh, sticky sin. It has an incredible magnetism to draw his children into it. So God says, flee from it, get away from it as fast as you can. And so Joseph did that, we applaud uh, his courage and his strength in that. I, I listed for you in your sermon notes today a blog uh, by Rick Howerton. It's kind of, a blog is a journal that individuals write on the internet. If you don't have internet access, there were some printed at the Welcome Center you can pick up. But Rick uh, writes in an, about an interview he had with Brad Johnson. 
Brad Johnson was a pastor of a church in Kentucky. It was a, it was a uh, church that was growing. It was one of the fastest growing churches in the state. God was doing great things in this church. Brad was a, an incredible uh, communicator, just a dynamic leader. I met him because he came to college when I was a student there, and he would speak in our preaching classes and our church leadership classes and speak in our, our, our campus-wide chapel services. Uh, it was just uh, tremendous getting to hear Brad and just uh, see what the Lord was doing in his life. Well, Rick writes uh, in his blog uh, about Brad who left Kentucky to be a teaching pastor at Saddleback Community Church with Pastor Rick Warren. Many of you know uh, his name. He was on staff there for a while and then left to pastor a megachurch in Southern California. And at that church, Brad gave in to temptation and had an extramarital affair and ended uh, his ministry. And I came across this interview with Rick, and he had been a staff member who served under Brad And as I read that blog, there are five days of it each day of that week, Rick uh, shared more of his story. Uh, I cried every day I read that. Part of it because of the tragedy of the story in and of itself and what had taken place. But I I think mostly because I had a personal connection with Brad. And I had personal knowledge of his ministry and knew him as a person. Uh, And it was just heartbreaking and gut-wrenching to hear him speak and write so vividly about what he had gone through. Uh, It's a tragic but humbling story. You see, Brad didn't flee the dangers of sexual immorality, and it wrecked his life and his ministry. And Rick asked Brad in this interview, he said, what did you lose personally due to your moral failure? And Brad responded, the losses are impossible to calculate. How does one quantify a 30-year career and reputation or the trust of one's children? Or the ability to serve in the kingdom of our Lord? How does one talk about the destruction of a soul so corrupted by sin? In measurable ways, I lost a million dollars in net worth. I lost my home, my marriage, and for a season, my children, my self-esteem, my peace of mind, my sense of God's love for me, and the opportunity to influence people toward Jesus. I lost every single bit of the life I once had and enjoyed. It was all gone. And in place of all that was the convicting, crushing awareness that I, all by myself, caused this wreckage and loss. I encourage all of you, but men especially in our homes, to to read this story and heed the warnings that are given. Learn from one who didn't flee sexual immorality. Joseph fled from the sin that was before him. He got it right. And guess what happened? Well, the Bible tells us that as uh, Joseph was tearing away from her, that she grabbed his robe and Joseph came out of his robe and ran out of the house. Well, her lust turned to fury in an instant. And she cried out at the top of her lungs. And people heard this scream and they looked and they saw Joseph running from the house slightly less clothed than when he had gone in. And so they, what's going on? And they went in and she told them that Joseph had put the moves on her and that she didn't want that. And she cried out and screamed. And when she did, he, he fled for fear of being discovered. And she told that story to Potiphar when he came home. And then she showed him the robe as evidence that this had taken place. And as you might imagine, Potiphar was angry and Joseph landed in Pharaoh's prison. Did I mention to you that sometimes you'll be persecuted when you follow God and you stand up for what's right? Did I make note of that earlier? Well, here's Joseph as exhibit A. 
Here's a guy doing the right thing. And what's he get in return? He winds up in prison. And I have no doubt that Joseph probably sat in that prison feeling alone and defeated and disappointed, maybe even upset and angry at God, saying, what is going on? I mean, is this the reward I get for being faithful and for doing what's right? I mean, so much for the blessings that come when you do the right thing, huh? You know, did the right thing and I wind up in prison. How's all that work out, God? How's that fair to people who are trying to serve you? But remember our principle. Walk with God today to find his will for tomorrow. Doubt and disappointment, I think no doubt were in Joseph's mind. But Joseph calmed himself He refocused on God and he resubmitted himself to the Lord's will. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. The fourth time I told you in this chapter, the Lord was with Joseph. And look at this added note. And showed him steadfast love. Joseph continued to walk with God and live his life and surrender to him and to his will And God showed him his unwavering, unchanging, unconditional love, even in that prison. You know, and last week I talked about how God takes us on paths and routes that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. And sometimes those are difficult, but God teaches us lessons. And we learn about God through those times and through those situations. And here Joseph finds himself on yet another detour, wondering, Lord... Where in the world am I? How is this going to be the dream that you gave me? How is this going to come to pass? But he simply trusted God and he continued to walk with him. And in his time, God would know when Joseph was ready. And the New Testament says that we as God's children can discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you know what? As Joseph walked with God, when he was ready, God did indeed opened the door, and moved Joseph into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And God accomplished great things through Joseph, not just in Joseph's lifetime, but for generations to come. And if you will walk with God, you can find his will for today and for your life and for the generation that God has placed you on this earth, but then God can use your life and your witness and your example for generations to come in the lives of those that you influence and that God influences through you. But the key is that we walk with God, that we walk with God and honor him with the choices and decisions we make. And in his time and in his way, God will bless you and God will use you as he sees fit. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that one thing that God wants us to do in walking with him today is to avoid sin by resisting temptation And here's the thing. This isn't just God's will for you today only, all right, that that you avoid sin. This principle is as certain as gravity. When you wake up in the morning, you don't have to go, hmm, I wonder if God wants me to avoid sin today. Yes, God wants you to avoid sin that day and every day for that matter. And we do that uh, by resisting temptation. So for our time of invitation this morning, a couple of commitments, a couple of challenges I want to set before you. First of all, Ask God what you might need to do to avoid sin and resist temptation that's set before you. And then obey him when he speaks. Obey him. Obey God when he speaks and gives you that direction. 
I'm convinced the Holy Spirit has convicted many hearts this morning about things that we need to do. And so I encourage you to to respond to those things. Maybe it's finding new friends. Maybe it's ending ungodly relationships uh, with, with, uh, with persons that you're dating. Some of you find, need to find new places to hang out or new places to invest your time and your money in. Some of you may need to find a trusted brother or sister in Christ and share with them about a secret sin so they can pray for you and encourage you and help hold you accountable to break that sin stronghold in your life. There are a lot of things the Holy Spirit may have spoken to your hearts about this morning, but I want you to pray and ask God to give you the courage to do what you need to do. He's whispering to your hearts and you need to do this and say, Lord, give me the strength and the courage to do it and then don't put it off. Don't put it off because if you delay today into tomorrow, then it gets easier to put it off until Tuesday, into Wednesday, until we never respond and we never do what God is speaking to our heart, telling us that what we need, that we do what, what he is leading us to do. Remember that delayed obedience is disobedience if we're not responding to what the Lord is speaking. So do what he's telling you to do and do it today. Maybe you need to pray and just ask God to help you stand up for what's right and honor him where you're facing temptation in a situation uh, that's laid siege to you. God will give you that strength. Just ask him for it and reflect on his word and then choose to honor him and do what his word says. And here's perhaps the greatest thing that, that I would challenge you in this morning, and that's simply this. Receive God's forgiveness. Would you receive God's forgiveness? We understand this battle with sin and temptation. There's no one here who doesn't know what I'm talking about today. We've given in and we've succumbed to those temptations, but I want you to know that today you can be forgiven of those sins. It's not easy to confess and deal with sin in our life, but listen to this verse from Proverbs 28:13 and the principle that it teaches us. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Dr. Jerry Vines summarized that verse in this way. The sins you and I cover, that is that we hide and we refuse to to acknowledge and give over to God, God will uncover through discipline and punishment and chastisement in our lives. But the sins you and I uncover, that is that we confess, that we repent of and we turn away from, God will cover. And God covers those through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're forgiven and we're cleansed of those sins. So today, if you would confess your sins, you can be forgiven of those sins, any and all of them, through Jesus' death on the cross. And you can leave this place cleansed and renewed and restored in your relationship with God because of what Jesus has done for you. Our staff is available during our invitation to talk and pray with you about these things to help you experience this forgiveness. Our altar is open and you're always welcome to come uh, and express these things to God. But would you confess today those sins so that you can be forgiven and you can experience the same love in your life that Joseph experienced in that Egyptian prison?